Hello and welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show. I'm your host, Sharon Harding, and today we're celebrating Thunderbolt's 10th birthday. Yes, it says celebration this week, and as always, we're taking questions from the audience. So if you have anything you'd like to ask, just drop your question into the chat on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll try to discuss it on the air. So joining me today is Tom's Hardware Deputy Managing Editor, Paul Alcorn. How are Hello. you, Paul? Pretty good. Good. We also have Ben Hacker, Intel's Director of IO Strategy in the Client Connectivity Division. What's up, Ben? Doing well. Good, good. And last but not least, Jason Ziller, General Manager of the Client Connectivity Division at Intel is here with us. How are you, Jason? Great, Sharon. Great to be here today. Yes, yes. So Thunderbolt is officially 10 years old this year, but I guess before we get into it, I would hate to leave anyone in the dark. Um, how would you folks at Intel briefly explain what Thunderbolt is? Sure, I can uh, I can do that. So as we said, we're celebrating the 10 year anniversary. And so it originally launched on February 24th, 2011. But it's a it's a single connector that has data, video and power all on the same connector. So you find them on your computer ports, you find them on cables and on uh, accessories that you plug into computer ports. But the, the benefits of it are, you know, you get high speed data, high resolution video and power for charging. Um, all on a single cable. So it's very simple, reliable, and high performance. So how did Thunderbolt first come about 10 years ago? What, like, what need were you guys trying to fill by creating Thunderbolt? Actually, it originated in the Intel Labs. So the Intel Labs does a lot of work, innovation on you know, new technologies that uh, may come to market or may be commercialized. And uh, what we found was that particularly on laptops, um, there's a need for a small connector that's very fast, very capable, and can do data and video and power at the same time so that you can pretty much you know, do it all with that one connector. So the Intel Labs had been working on that technology and then uh, we commercialized that and brought that to market initially on uh, in the first MacBook Pros in, in 2011. <clears throat> Uh, so, Paul, do you remember when Thunderbolt was born? Um, I do remember reading. I, I didn't have any of the, the early devices, but I do re remember reading about Lightpeak um, with Apple back in the day. That's kind of the the origins of uh, Thunderbolt. Does Apple have any involvement in that anymore? Or how, how did that kind of work? I know it was kind of a, a joint collaboration between Intel and Apple at the beginning. So there's a couple of questions in there, but um, so originally it's true that in the Intel labs, we had originally had an optical solution, uh, thinking to be able to go, you know, the blazing fast at the time, 10 gigabits per second, you know, was going to require an optical connection. So that was the technology that they were developing. And then as we, as we work toward commercialization and, you know, scale out in the market, we realized that the optical solution was really not ideal for that uh, from a cost and from a, a manufacturing standpoint, designing it into laptops and all of these products. Um, and also at the same time, we came to realize that you could do 10 gigabits per second over electrical. So we, um, we 
you know, modified the, the cabling technology. So the core, you know, architecture of the technology was the same, but the cabling mechanism uh, went to electrical instead of optical. And that's what we went to market with initially. And so, yeah, we were working with Apple at the time and, and you know, with the MacBook Pro. And of course, they've been a strong supporter of Thunderbolt, you know, ever since. Um, and so, you know, that's where we, where we are today. So have you guys um, called in any Apple execs to kind of celebrate this birthday here? No, we've been we've been talking with them. They're they're excited about it too. You know, they've been they've been on this journey as well. So yeah, there's a lot of companies in the industry that uh, that we've been working with. We've been talking to you know and celebrating with because a lot of some of the same people both at Intel and other companies have been working on this since the beginning ten years ago. So it's just kind of like Ben was saying, it's kind of uh, before it's kind of interesting or fun to kind of reminisce about, you know, about the old days and, you know, where, where people are today. But, um, but yeah, so it's been a nice celebration with the overall ecosystem and industry. So, yeah. yeah. I was just going to add on to, you know, when the discussion was happening about some of the motivation for this originally, um, really like, Jason mentioned, you know, we're trying to get data display and power all onto a, a single connector. Um, but also there's some trends in the industry that I think you've seen accelerate over the last 10 years. And that's one of the reasons there's been a lot more adoption of technology. And that's fundamentally, you know, systems, especially, you know, mobile form factors are just getting smaller over time. And you want to have potentially fewer and fewer connectors that are smaller. And I think that's been a big driver of, of, of some of the interest. And that's why you know, some some companies were involved early on. I think that that adoption and interest over time is has only grown in this kind of converged technology for a for a kind of single interface. Right, and you both talked about the convenience of having it, you know, be a smaller um, connection. Uh, can you talk about because right now you're at Thunderbolt Four, right, and that's the same connector as USB C. But it, what other connectors has it used? How has that changed over the past uh, ten years? So we started early, early on, we started in Thunderbolt and then in Thunderbolt 2 uh, on the mini DisplayPort connector. And so that was, um, it was a DisplayPort connector, the smaller version uh, that was, and at the time it wasn't broadly adopted by the industry. So I think that was actually one of the reasons why we didn't see really broad adoption in, un, until Thunderbolt 3. And then in Thunderbolt 3, we actually, what happened was when we were, thinking about Thunderbolt 3 and wanting to double the performance, um, we needed a new connector. The mini DisplayPort connector wasn't designed to go that fast. And so we needed a new connector. So we were saying, well, should we define a new connector from the ground up and have all the computers add this brand new connector? Or is there one that's already on a trend to be able to support the needs of Thunderbolt? And that's where we kind of intersected with USB-C. The USB group had been working on it. Same, same kind of trend, right, that the industry had. Smaller, thinner connector, reversible, uh, that could support higher speeds and could support more power. And so we said, well, these are all of the things that, you know, that we're looking to do with Thunderbolt. And also the USB-C connector was designed to support uh, multiple protocols or be able to run other protocols than USB. So we kind of joined forces at that point and uh, are run, you know, running the overall Thunderbolt solution on, on the USB-C you know, mechanical connector. 
And so I think you have a couple products that you can share with our viewers. Sure, I have, uh, there's a number of Thunderbolt 4 uh, laptops that have been coming out. Let me see if I can find the right angle on it. So, sorry, you can see the, the USB-C connector there right at the tip of it um, by, the, you know, the hinge. And there's one on each side, you know, over here as well. Um, and actually on this Dell XPS, this is the latest one with 11th gen core. It's actually an Evo laptop. It just has one uh, Thunderbolt 4 port on each side. And that's all, you know, that's all that it has. And actually with 11th gen core, we've, we've integrated Thunderbolt 4 into the Tiger Lake, you know, CPU. So we're seeing very strong uh, adoption of Thunderbolt 4 in, in most of the 11th gen core laptops. It's also required in the Evo laptops and also the VPro laptops um, going forward. So we're seeing seeing a lot of adoption there. And then on the accessory side, there's some new Thunderbolt 4 docks coming out. And you can see this one, if you can see the, the three Thunderbolt ports there, the USB-C ports. Um, the Thunderbolt 4, one of the new capabilities of it is on the accessory side, you can drive up to three downstream Thunderbolt ports so in the past, we could only do one downstream port. And so if you wanted to connect devices together, you would have to daisy chain them in, in a series, right? Um, with Thunderbolt 4, you can do, it's like a hub kind of a topology. You can connect devices in parallel, um, like a hub, and you can daisy chain actually behind them as well. So you have a lot more flexibility to connect all of your devices together. And because Thunderbolt 4 ports, are universal you can connect anything to them um, you can connect up your usb devices your displays your thunderbolt devices everything can connect you know to to those thunderbolt 4 hubs and docks so it's very flexible so yeah go ahead paul um just one thing i was going to ask about i <clears throat> i think that it, it's really interesting that before ice lake a lot of the the laptops probably had fewer thunderbolt ports um, part, particularly because of the extra components, it needed a like a component, you know, a controller outside of the chip, that, you know, complexity, power consumption, things like that. Since you guys have now integrated that into, I, I believe it started with Ice Lake, correct? And then um, and now it's integrated into to Tiger Lake. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what kind of advantages that gives? Yeah, I just you, it, it's integrated into the PCH particularly, correct, and the CPU. Yeah, so maybe I'll I'll talk to that, Jason. Um, sure. There's there's several benefits, um, but if you think about what what a kind of data and display integration really means from a discrete controller standpoint, you basically have to have kind of data lines and display lines and some other logic that's connecting from Intel's you know SOC, whether it's the PCH or the CPU. There's there's a, a bunch of kind of routing that needs to happen on the board, not to mention to your point, Paul, like the controller is maybe discrete. It's a little bit bigger. There's maybe some more power consumption. When you integrate that, you really allow for form factors, not just for power reasons, but for um, overall routability, for layout of, of, of like a notebook to make it more thin and light generally and to make it a kind of a reduced size PCB. Um, all those benefits accrue. Um, when you're integrated. So generally moving to integration has kind of, I would say manifold benefits on layout, on power. Um, and there are some performance benefits just like generically, but 
we, we integrated essentially kind of the Thunderbolt 3, Thunderbolt 4 level of capabilities. It's essentially the same performance as discrete, but maybe in some, some corner cases, the integration provides a little bit more uh, underlying benefit as well from performance, so. Cool. Um, how much interest is there um, for Thunderbolt on desktops versus laptops? So we've seen on desktops, it's, I would call it more of a follower segment in the sense that the, the value proposition of having a very small, thin connector that you can connect everything to and expand, you know, outside of the computer uh, and also the charging capabilities, you know, very important in laptops, but on desktops, you know, you don't have that same thing. So I think we've seen that in general and even USB-C, you know, ports of any kind, uh, have been lagging on desktops because, you know, desktops have the room for lots and lots of connectors and they actually like to have lots and lots of connectors. Um, they don't need charging and they have, if you want PCI Express expansion out of the box, I mean, they have uh, adding cards that you can put into the desktop. So I think there's a lot of reasons why, you know, it's a lagging adoption, but I think that we're starting to see more adoption. I know in the last generation of some of the motherboards and desktops, we're seeing increased adoption of Thunderbolt 4. Um, I think that with USB 4 as an industry standard, uh, the desktops are gonna want to adopt, you know, the next version of USB. So um, I think over the next couple of years, we're gonna see a lot more adoption in, in desktops. Uh, you know, there, there was a, a motherboard you know, there are some motherboards that are coming that are supporting Thunderbolt 4. And there's also like an add-in card, ASUS, as a matter of fact, uh, introduced an add-in card just the other day. I believe it's the first add-in card for Thunderbolt 4. Now, I, I know that you guys have a, you know, Intel has a lot to do with the certification of these kinds of things to en enable interoperability. Do you guys, do, does Intel certify even things like those uh, add-in cards or on motherboards, like how well it works, essentially? Yeah, everything that uses the name Thunderbolt <laughs> or the logo or something uh, gets Thunderbolt certified. So, um, so all those motherboards, you know, they get put into a system and you know run through the certification process. Um, and the adding cards would get put on the motherboard that they're supposed to work with, and then the whole the whole system would get uh, Thunderbolt certified. So yeah, we we do that. And, and there's also a certification uh, process even for the cables, correct? I mean, like one thing that's that's really interesting is a lot of people have problems with DisplayPort cables. And there are a lot of them out there that are not certified by, you know, uh, Visa. And they don't work well. So do you guys do, are all Thunderbolt 4 cables that you buy, do they all have to be certified? Unlike DisplayPort, for instance. Yeah, that's correct. We do have a, actually a more rigorous process on cables because they are very, you know, complex in a way in their manufacturing. And um, there are even on USB-C, there's a lot of connectors in the market. I mean, cables in the market that haven't been USB certified. And, and there I know, especially early on, there was a lot of issues with a lot of them. So we have, you know, a, a limited number of vendors that we work with cable vendors. And we not only certify the, the cables, but we do audits of their factories and their manufacturing lines. And we have them do ongoing um, checks in their lines to make sure that not only 
can they put out one cable that you know passes the certification but they can do it in their manufacturing you know consistently over time so those are some of the additional checks that we put in um and i had a quick question in terms of um like the docs you mentioned you're able to do um three downstream instead of one like you were um, limited to before thunderbolt 4. can you explain like how that's technically doable now, like what Thunderbolt 4 has that makes that um, a possibility? Yeah, essentially, yeah, essentially when we, when we kind of, and we, and we can talk a little bit more, I think about, um, you know, like the open specification process that we went through as we moved from Thunderbolt 3 to Thunderbolt 4, but essentially we went about upgrading kind of the required capabilities as we were looking at Thunderbolt 4 and physically the silicon we make that goes into kind of the, peripheral side or the or the dock side in this example, um, basically for accessories, we essentially integrated some additional logic and capabilities. Uh, at the end of the day, for a user, it means, hey, you have additional ports. The actual complexity in the in the silicon is is there's quite a lot there to ensure that you know all the ports can share the same capabilities. Uh, and the the user experience, no matter which port you're plugging into, is going to be identical. Um, but it's really fundamentally down to the the silicon for selling into the accessory products, uh, no matter who they come from, now has that capability. And, you know, different vendors can do maybe two or three or four connectors. It depends on their choice for their products, but but that's an option that's available uh, for vendors who are, who are developing docking products or other uh, hub-like products. So we have um, new, a new series of con discrete controllers um, so as you know, we have it in integrated into the 11th gen core CPUs. We also have a discrete host controller for the PC side um, for systems that maybe don't have, you know, the 11th gen core CPU. And then we have a new uh, device side controller, accessory controller. These are 8,000 series if anybody's looking. Um, but uh, on, the, on that accessory side, that, that controller has that capability for the three downstream ports that you know Ben was talking about. Okay, and just a reminder to any of our viewers, if you have any questions for our Thunderbolt experts, don't be scared. Drop it into the chat and we'll try to get to it. Um, we do have one question. Um, question is, will Thunderbolt continue to move in sync with USB or could it possibly add some new features on top of USB in the future? Well, let me just say that um, Thunderbolt for Intel is a solution. It's an end-to-end -end solution. So what we do is we take the USB and other specs and we build an end-to-end -end solution out of it. So, you know, looking at the USB 4 specification, Intel contributed the Thunderbolt protocol and Thunderbolt, you know, underlying architecture to the USB group, and that's the basis of the USB 4 spec. But, but, the, but the spec as a, as a spec is a series of, you know, optional features. Um, and, you know, frankly, for an industry spec, it should be because the, the, the minimum requirements to be used before, you know, they wanted to scale all the way down to a phone, right? So what we do with Thunderbolt is we've created an intent solution with a set of requirements and capabilities that computer users want to have, you know, in their computers and in their devices. So, um, so that's that's really what uh, what we've done with Thunderbolt. And we're going to continue to do that with Thunderbolt. So we will move forward in sync with USB. You know, we started first with that connector 
and cable convergence. And then we have the architectural convergence. As we move forward, as USB 4 evolves, you know, we'll continue to be converged on, on those elements of it, but we'll continue to provide features and capabilities above that or you know the just the optional features in the USB spec um, that we make required because we know computer users want them. But there's other things too, like uh, I mean, there's a lot of USB specs like the PD for charge, you know, for power delivery, and other things. So we put them all together into a Thunderbolt solution. So for Thunderbolt Four computers, thin and light laptops, we require charging on at least one port. We require, you know, the ability to wake the laptop from an external keyboard and mouse. We require better, you know, security so that the port is not vulnerable to attack. So all these things, you know, are either optional in some USB spec somewhere, uh, or maybe they're outside, completely outside the scope of USB that we put all together into Thunderbolt. But definitely the the underlying architecture, we will continue to be in sync with USB. And in addition to that, all those things Jason mentioned, absolutely correct. And there's also some underlying um, kind of performance requirements that we also put in place, right? This is all about data and display of multiple protocols going across a single kind of solution. And so we also want to enforce um, from a Thunderbolt ecosystem that that's your kind of minimum performance bar within the overall speed of the connector is is also you know very high. So there's there's a whole bunch of elements of that end-to-end -end solution that are really important. And open standards are often very, very flexible, and that's great. Um, but Thunderbolt is a is a really good way to kind of convey to the user, hey, this is a best-in-class kind of PC class experience for this kind of connectivity. Cool. And then you had mentioned the security with Thunderbolt 4. I know that it is now required that it that it uses um, Intel's VTD. Um, technology. Can you kind of explain what that does and why that's needed? Yeah, maybe I'll handle it, Jason, and you can you can chime in as well. So yeah. I'll just say from our Thunderbolt, you know, for standpoint, we require a kind of VTD or equivalent technology. So it's not like a requirement for an Intel, um, an Intel CPU specific or anything like that. It is open. Um, but specifically, the, the underlying element of that Intel technology, and there are other, you know, architectural versions of it, is around kind of DMA protection. So the, the security concern that people sometimes have when they first learn, if they're very technical, about, about Thunderbolt as a solution or USB 4, is we're taking PCI Express as a data packet, you know, or a data interface out of the box. And PCI Express is very high performance, and it also allows, as part of its protocol, the ability for a device to access main memory, so DMA, right? And what what um, VTD can provide uh, is the ability to kind of isolate main memory. So for this PCIe device, the portion of memory that can be accessed is restricted, right? So your your PCIe device can work wonderfully and is very high performance, but a, a rogue or uh, attacking element can't be plugged in and kind of access uh, main memory to get access to sensitive details, um, you know, without your authorization. So essentially that is kind of the requirement we have in place for, for, for securing this is ensuring that the PCIe devices on the other side um, are restricted in how they can access main memory. Um, 
So you still get the performance benefit of PCI Express and the, the flexibility of all the products that that enables, but you don't have uh, that that security concern. And sorry, just what does VDT stand for? And can you find that elsewhere? It's a uh, VTD, and I think it's it's available searching under like Intel virtualization technology. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, virtualization technology for direct yeah. So It's actually BT hyphen D. Yeah, there you go. Now yes. I got it. <laughs> kind of walls off the memory. And by the way, in VTD, I think includes other things other than the specific, you know, memory mapping that I was just talking about. But that's the specific element for Thunderbolt 4 that's, that's relevant to this discussion. Okay, so yeah, we talked to, um, we've been talking a little bit about um, USB 4 already. Um, can you guys explain why did Intel decide to share the protocol for Thunderbolt protocol for USB 4 and, you know, why now as compared to, you know, maybe an older generation of USB? I can say things, maybe Ben, you can add, but um, I think, you know, as we move to uh, the Thunderbolt 3 and the USB-C connector, um, as I mentioned, that really was kind of a game changer, really, in, in going to the USB-C connector because the industry was going to be broadly adopting that connector over time anyway, because it's thinner and smaller and reversible, so much, much better connector, you know, than the original USB Type-A connector. So, um, so we saw that, uh, you know, so we started working, you know, a lot more with the industry um, and getting, you know, feedback from them on what they wanted to see as Thunderbolt evolved. And so, you know, one of the, uh, a couple of the things that, you know, came up were, hey, integration into CPUs and, uh, and also, you know, opening the specs so that it can be an industry standard and that uh, other, you know, other companies can also, um, you know, create silicon and solutions around it. So actually in 2017, uh, Intel did a public announcement um, saying that, you know, we're driving Thunderbolt mainstream and we're doing two big things to do that. One is to integrate an Intel CPUs and the, and the second is to open the spec to the industry. And so um, by 2019, we had delivered, you know, delivered on both of those. So, yeah. And, and I would just kind of add on, on, on top of that. I think, I think any kind of new technology always has a tension between are there is there enough broad interest for people who think it's very very urgent to get a, a wide standards body ecosystem really focused on it um and i think that that took a little time for the idea behind thunderbolt to really be strongly you know engaged within the community within the open standards to really push it and i think er, early on it made sense for you know for a more focused effort that was maybe a little outside of that standards process um, but I think anything that's really going to get broad adoption and really have robust ecosystem support really needs to be uh, an open standard. And so as we kind of went through the the path of this technology, it really became, you know, it really became clear that to really take it as broad as it needs to be and have it be truly kind of accessible for everyone, I think an open standards path is really the the right way to go. And so as Jason mentioned in, in 2017, we, we kind of made that announcement. And we'd also been looking at that, you know, even before then, what was the right time to kind of open everything up? Because you have to have the ecosystem really all looking in the same direction, facing the same, you know, way and saying, hey, we're going to go drive this fast, right? And and that's where we got to. And it's uh, it's been quite nice. So uh, since you guys have, have made that move, have, have you seen broader uptake? I mean, I feel like just subjectively, uh, you know, I've noticed a lot more 
Thunderbolt docks and laptops over the last few years, especially with laptops, it seems to be picking up. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier, is that between those two things, integrating in the CPU, and particularly with the 11th gen core, you know, Tiger Lake CPUs in the last, you know, last uh, half a year, um, plus the opening the spec and, you know, having used before as an industry standard, I think that the two of those things have, have really increased the adoption. We're, see we're seeing, you know, most, you know, it's not a an illusion <laughs> what you're saying most of the of the uh, 11th gen core laptops have at least one thunderbolt 4 port were you surprised paul to see um that happen to see them open that spec to the industry because that kind of changes the competitive landscape at least slightly right yeah i mean it, i think it was it was definitely good I, I read a stat the other day i think it was they've had 80 percent more uh notebooks over the last two two or three years that now have thunderbolt 4. i read it in an article somewhere um so opening it up was definitely the the right you know the right thing to do and, you know uh it's always it's always good to open things up because it, that is generally what makes it mainstream and helps drive down costs too so when you look at like the price of a thunderbolt 4 dock today compared to the price of a thunderbolt dock like four or five years ago, the difference is in, it, it's a lot more affordable now. And I think some of that comes from broader adoption, of course. Yeah, we've also done on the ecosystem side, we've done a lot of things to drive more mainstream price point products. So we do, Intel does uh, reference designs and enabling um, with the industry to, you know, to deliver products with, you know, varying capabilities and varying uh, price points. Like I showed that OWC dock uh, a little while ago, which is kind of a full-fledged dock. It has the three Thunderbolt 4 downstream ports, and then it has USB Type-A, and it has Ethernet and other things. So it's a full-fledged dock. Um, but we, but some other companies have also come out with what, what they're calling a, a, a Thunderbolt 4 hub, which is, you know, really maybe the three downstream Thunderbolt 4 ports, and maybe a couple of uh, Type-A, USB Type-A ports as well. But those are selling for you know 149, 139. So the price points are very affordable, and the capability is you know pretty amazing, really, for what you're getting for that price point. So we're seeing a lot more of that. I think, just as a general observation, the USB um, spec, the naming on it, is probably one of the most complex things in technology. <laughs> I am telling you, it's like trying to figure out the space show. I mean, like the, the That's why we said keep it simple. Just look for the thunderbolt. Yeah, so you have the cables are a bit um, confusing, and there's like three different names. So if we just boil this down for the viewers at home, if you get a thunderbolt four cable with a thunderbolt thing, the logo, excuse me, <laughs> for everything thunderbolt, thunderbolt four and USB four, correct? Because USB four is kind of where you guys now that you're part of you know the the interaction there, that's where things get confusing. Because I mean I could go on for days about the naming scheme. I'm sorry, I, I apologize, but it's you know. I do know what you mean, and also like if you could also sorry to interrupt, but also like the difference between Thunderbolt four and USB four, um, if you could break that down too, I think that's relevant. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, we, we talked before about Thunderbolt, you know, being a solution and, and the USB 4 spec 
is designed to the you know have minimum very low minimum requirements that could go into a phone. And so um, if you saw USB 4 port on a computer, you really don't know what the capabilities are. It could be only 20 gigabits per second, not 40 gigabits per second, because the minimum requirement's 20. Uh, the minimum video requirement is is very low. It's like Ben, I think one HD <laughs> display, yeah. right? Um, and uh, PCI Express is not required. So there's a lot of these capabilities that we make required in in, in Thunderbolt. So that's um, you know that's 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 the difference. You, you with Thunderbolt, you know, it's we talk about you know it's peace of mind. You know what you're getting. It's going to be the same. And especially we, we've evolved that even more strongly with Thunderbolt 4. You have very good consistency of that best-in-class capability that will support all of these different kinds of products. You so know, we actually, when we sorry, when we um, when we were coming up with you know defining Thunderbolt 4, we got a lot of feedback from the industry and from end users. We did some end user research you know a couple of years ago and got a lot of feedback on what they would like to see. And actually, you know, the performance was one you know vector of it but there are two other pillars that we talk about simple and reliable and so the simplicity aspect having a single cable that you plug in and connect to everything and charge your, your laptop at the same time that was very compelling the reliability aspect having a consistent level of, of performance data and video performance you know ben talked about um and having that security right all of these things you know gives you peace of mind so those were actually, you know, strong vectors that we built on, you know, with Thunderbolt 4. You know, I do give the USB some, some grief because of the naming schemes, because you had like USB Gen 3.2, Gen 2 by 2, and there's all these different levels. But one thing that you do have to hand them is they are USB. They've been around forever and they are compatible. And that is a huge, that is a huge, uh, you know, across to bear when you're designing new 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 um, architectures and going for higher speed is to maintain that compatibility. How do you guys see compatibility with Thunderbolt uh, 4 moving forward as you're attempting to move beyond the speed you're at? I mean, do you think that you can still do that on a Type-C cable, for instance? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit. I, I definitely think, and you know, we're, we're not making any you know new announcements today we were joking yeah. about earlier. Um, <laughs> But we are absolutely looking at, you know, within the standards context, how do we take this technology and, and move it forward? And there's a there's a bunch of work that's been in place and, and the development within the standard has been trying to make sure we have a line of sight to kind of get to a, a higher speed in the future. I, I will I'll just definitely say what what I think we're pretty confident of is for at least another speed bump somewhere. And, you know, who knows exactly what that is, but call it roughly a doubling. I think we can definitely stay within the electrical kind of communication path and on the same connector. So it's truly a, a familiar backward compatible fully solution. Um, and then I think, you know, there's always the, the question, you know, as we look out further, you know, do we need to make some change beyond that? But at, at least for kind of the next, the next step, um, whenever that comes, I think we're pretty confident that we can keep that on a, on the kind of same, you know, mechanical interface, same connector, uh, roughly the same topology. Yeah, see, I was, you know, the next question was, when are we going back to optical? I mean, I want to see the most complex thing, just, you know, encoding with different wavelengths and colors of light, <laughs> performance, 
Yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah, they can do some, some pretty interesting stuff with optical silicon photonics, all of that. When, yeah. when am I going to have silicon photonics in my funnel? <laughs> um, so all of those, um, I know those are hypothetical advancements you were discussing or theoretical, um, but should those come out, that would be in a Thunderbolt 5, right? Like you wouldn't do a Thunderbolt 4.1. We don't know what the branding will be going forward, so couldn't say one way or the other, but but I would emphasize, like Ben said, it will be compatible. We want compatibility across Thunderbolt, you know, previous versions of Thunderbolt and, and, and USB, you know, as well. So that's an important aspect. Uh, so we do have a question in terms of more bandwidth. Um, what would a user actually do with more bandwidth? Would it enable new use cases? Yeah, so I can I can touch on that a little bit. You know, my kind of you know from a technology you know roadmap standpoint, one of the things that is kind of like a call it a north star for us is just kind of looking at history and how things have developed. Right, I, I, I've been at Intel for twenty years and various different kinds of I/O technologies, and the one thing that we always kind of run into is like you know in five years or in three years or whatever it is, what are we going to do with this next thing? And that's a great question to ask, and I'll, and I'll directly kind of give my thoughts on that question in a second. But also, it's nice to just look at history and say, hey, on you know, kind of client PC products, we have these external connectors, various kinds, right? Look at HDMI, look at DisplayPort, uh, look at traditional USB. And those connectors have, within the same kind of mechanical form factor, have typically been doubling their performance in terms of just raw bandwidth every you know five to seven years. And that's probably been true for you know, 20 or 25 years. And, and I think just at a, at a baseline level, from a technology standpoint, we kind of always look and say, hey, we should probably, you know, look at maintaining that trend and always question, is that the right trend or is it accelerating or slowing down? But just at a high level, that's, that's kind of where we're operating. Specifically within the idea of, of Thunderbolt and Type-C and the USB standards in this, in this context, uh, I think there's a bunch of things that are moving, moving um, technology forward. So, display resolution and, and potentially like refresh rate are continuing pace, right? You already have display standards that are going upwards of, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 gigabits in some cases. And if you have a single wire technology that's designed to do, you know, the best display, the best data and power altogether, it needs to kind of be able to encompass not only displaying the, the display traffic, but also doing workflows that involve, you know, rendering or editing or recording that content as well, right? Also, today our kind of data path bandwidth within Thunderbolt 4 is kind of aligned to like a PCIe Gen 3 by 4 performance. And for some of our storage applications, you're seeing storage in that kind of form factor already doubling in speed. So there's already a need for kind of high performance storage or maybe NVMe SSDs or desktop RAID arrays that are gonna be able to consume more than the 40 gigabits of bandwidth or, or just under 40 that we can provide today. So, so I think those things really high resolution, concurrent workflows that are both display and, and kind of working on the, the data itself, uh, as well as just the storage media getting faster. I think those are all things that are gonna, you know, if you look at a few years, I think there's going to be demand there for a higher speed interface. And just one last comment, like anything else, 
maybe it starts, you know, in the premium space, but I think it waterfalls down over time, you know, faster than 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 we think just just where we stand today based on history. I mean, that when it comes to storage, that is a, a very good observation. Thunderbolt 3 SSDs are, are surprisingly popular, um, you know, especially as we're moving to, to faster controllers and flash. Uh, Thunderbolt 4, I'm not sure if there's actually, I was just Googling, is, is there a Thunderbolt 4 SSD yet? But I'm sure there will be soon. So. By the way, I mean, when, when Thunderbolt 3 came out, um, the one of the big trends you talk about broader adoption. I think one of the other trends was that um, you know when we first started, you know, with original Thunderbolt, we could support a 4K display, 10 gigs. You know, 4K was like you know premium pro. But by the time Thunderbolt 3 came out, you know, two 4K supporting two 4K displays was you know kind of expected. It was it was commonplace. I mean, 4K monitors were under $500. You know, they were pretty prevalent. Uh, and then people were shooting 4K video, you know, on their phones even. I mean, so it was like everywhere. So I think that helped drive, you know, fuel the the adoption of Thunderbolt 3 and then Thunderbolt 4. Um, in the enterprise, by the way, another macro trend was, um, you know, docking's very big in the enterprise, like 50% attach rate to laptops. And they were using the mechanical docks. So you would, you know, plug your laptop, snap your laptop into one of those big, long docking connector that was heavy and expensive. So there was a, because there was a need for thinner and lighter laptops, they wanted to get rid of that docking connector. So there was a move to um, cable docking. So Thunderbolt 3, you know, uh, was, a, was a great solution for that. So we saw a great kind of inflection there or, or intercept of that trend you know, with Thunderbolt 3 docks, um, and you're seeing those pretty prevalent in the enterprise now. Yeah, and Thunderbolt 4 is. With, with the hub, with the, the hubs definitely make things a lot easier for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of making things easier, um, I know when Thunderbolt 4 was announced, um, Intel mentioned making eventually up to 50 meter long cables. I think at the announcement, you were announcing two meter long cables. Um, is that still in the works or is it already available? Yeah, so on the electrical cables, we have those out to two meters. Mm -hmm. um, we are working on an optical cable. There's your optical right there. Yeah, optical, you know. Forgot to bring it up. Uh, we are working, we had in previous generation, uh, optical cable up to 50 meters. And so we are working on delivering that as well now. Um, probably not till you know next year time frame, um, but it's being under development. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, with that type of, of uh, you know, for that type of a length requirement, what what would a typical use case for that be? Are they connecting their their laptop directly to the data center? Yeah. So I'll, maybe I'll chime in on that. There's also some interesting technical things about that kind of cable as well. But um, the, some of the applications we've seen are kind of you know isolated room scenarios maybe that could be your workplace tied into like a data center for example also some studio applications and some soundstage kind of professional audio applications have, have been highlighted there is there is a, a one of the challenges you know you mentioned earlier was around hey a cable does it support all the kind of not only thunderbolt and usb4 but the kind of existing usb2 and usb3 capabilities um, one of the challenges with a super long cable like that is there is some just physics that limits true compatibility. 
So USB 2, for example, which is very basic, um, but it's assumed to be in all these cables, all these Type-C cables, Thunderbolt or not. Um, and if you have a cable that's more than five meters, you can't have USB 2 in the cable just due to some of the protocol realities. So any cable that's that's kind of optical and long like that has, it's not gonna have power wires, it won't have USB 2. So it really is more of a, I don't wanna say maybe niche is the right term, but it's really a custom application type cable because it has some things that just fundamentally can't be there. Interesting. Uh, so do you guys have anything else to share in terms of what's next for Thunderbolt? I know you've had 10 years of fun, but in terms of what's up for the future? We're, we're looking forward to the next 10 years. Now. Um, well, we're going to continue to innovate on it as, as we talked about. Um, I think, you know, right now also the next couple of years, we're, we're really <laughs> looking to see this adoption of Thunderbolt 4. Uh, continue to scale out. As I mentioned, you know, it's required in Evo and VPro laptops. So I think we're going to see a lot more adoption. And then we're working, again, we're working with the accessories to do a lot of different kinds of products, different sizes and shapes, uh, you know, of, of docks and hubs. And, you know, the, the full featured ones do charging, but uh, we're seeing more and more um, chargers that ship with notebooks that are Type C chargers, and so you could have a dock that you know that doesn't uh, doesn't have its own uh, power adapter, but just plugs into the Type C charger with your notebook. So there's some efficiencies you can get by kind of bundling those kind of solutions. So we're just looking, you know, working with the with the ecosystem and the industry on, you know, really trying to make great solutions um, for users, you know, to meet their needs, and especially. With today's environment, you know, working from home um, and learning from home and everything, you know, you're doing at home um, to be able to tailor some solutions along those ways. Dri driving, you know, seeing more uh, monitors with uh, Thunderbolt with Thunderbolt Four and and docking and other capabilities um, that are fully integrated. You know, if you have a monitor with a camera or with a speaker or with some kind of sensors and things. Um, you know, you can't do that with just a display port or, you know, HDMI connection or something. You really need a Thunderbolt connection that's going to give you full data and display. So we're looking at, you know, a variety of different kinds of solutions like that. So that's that's probably, I mean, I think in the next year or two, we'll be looking at, you know, those kinds of things. And then longer term, as we said, we're, we're, we're working on innovating uh, Thunderbolt, and, you know, in USB more. And, um, you know, we'll see see what that looks like. Sign me up for a monitor with an integrated camera and one cable. <laughs> you know, the people that we work with that have the, like a Thunderbolt, you know, docking monitor, they love it because it's truly just a single cable coming from the monitor and then everything else is plugged in behind the monitor. And it's just a very nice, clean desktop, very nice solution. So, you know, people really appreciate that. Well, before we wrap up, I do have one more thing because I don't think any birthday is complete without sugar and fire. So, <laughs> unfortunately, we're not all together. We only have one cupcake for <laughs> myself. You can't blow out candles because of COVID. There are no trade shows. <laughs> we can cheers to Thunderbolt's birthday and hopefully some more innovation beat around this port, other techs, and just anything that just makes 
connectivity and life just simpler for everyone. So here's a little treat. Well, I'll we do it. All a cupcake when we get together. In person. Yeah. We, we nice. do it. Do appreciate the birthday celebration. <laughs> we'll be celebrating all year, by the way. So, you know. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you to everyone who's been watching. If you've had fun with us, please like us on Facebook and YouTube. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, you can download each episode of the Tom's Hardware Show as a podcast. Um, so first, thank you to Paul for dropping by. And to our Intel friends, Jason and Ben, thank you so much. And happy birthday to Thunderbolt. That's our show. We'll All see right. you next Thursday. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Bye.